Marty's Music Kitchen, the fun music and food podcast where anything can happen. Today's guest is Mark Bowden, guitarist, writer, and producer, and one of the top nationally known go-to musicians. He shared the stage with names like Bonnie Raitt, Jackson Brown, Booker T. Jones, Curtis Salgado, and the list goes on. Not only is Mark an accomplished musician, he also runs the Sonic Butter PDX Studios in Northwest Portland, producing everything from rock and pop to alternative country. But wait, that's not all. Mark is also a major foodie who loves to cook. The cool thing about Europe that we tend to not do here in the States is that when you have dinner in Europe, it's it's a real thing. It's real conversation, goes on for hours and hours, and you really get to feel like you, you know people. One of Mark's collaborations is with the multi-award-winning blues artist and social activist, Karen Lovely, whom he invited to join us this evening. Karen's going to help us enjoy, and maybe even cook, Mark's famous pocket-friendly lamb heroes with tzatziki sauce made by his partner, Rachel, and Mark's true specialty, homemade pita bread. How's that for an all-star lineup? What led Mark to a love of foods that fit in a pocket? What are some of his favorite backstage stories? And maybe, just maybe, we can get Karen and Mark to do a song on the show. Come with me into this mouth-watering episode and let's get cooking. I am great. Welcome. Thank you. And yeah. um, we're here in your great house and your great kitchen with your partner, Rachel. Hello. Yeah. And uh, my new best friend, Karen Lovely. We're like the, hugging. The Karen Lovely. I know. She looks the amazing. Best friend. <laughs> so, yes, the best friend. The best friend. Yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. best friend to all. Who knew? And um, I'm super excited uh, to be here because I do not know how to make hero sandwiches. And I am so impressed that you're pulling these fresh pita bread out of the oven. Dude, it's the only way to fly. If you're gonna <laughs> barehanded, we do not do store-bought pita bath. bread in this house. Okay. We, we make it from scratch. Rachel, have you been in trouble for that before? Hey, I'll just pick up some pita bread from the store. No, I, no. I don't make that mistake. <laughs> she no, I'm like, hey, I, I think I like some some gyros. Will you make some pita? It's actually <laughs> super easy. Like bread baking. I'm a baker. Like okay. from from a cooking perspective, I come from the baker first. Right. You're either a cook or a baker. I'm definitely a cook. Baking baker. bread is the uh -huh. easiest thing on the planet. I yeah, know you, you say that, but I don't is. believe it, you. It, <laughs> yes, it, it's like bread, flour, water. You stir it up, let it rest, knead it, do the thing, roll it flat, bam, done, gone. Maybe it's do the thing. Maybe that's my tripping point. <laughs> What's the because most of these are done baking at this right, point. Right. How do you make them? So I started probably about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's just literally flour, yeast, salt, a little bit of sugar, uh -huh. water, and my trusty KitchenAid just sort of mixed it all up. Uh-huh. It just kind of like an Italian focaccia bread is uh -huh. really what it is because you had what mm. makes focaccia focaccia is the olive oil. Oh. So you just literally stir it all up knead it, you let it sit. What makes pita from focaccia is you just divvy it up and you roll it flat. And you just literally 
roll it into these eight inch discs. Mm -hmm. You let it sit. Mm -hmm. The key thing is you gotta have a pizza stone, a baking stone. Because if you wanna get that, that consistency, it has to be on a stone. So that's like your secret weapon is the pizza stone? Well, yeah, kinda. It, it's, it's that in, in the timing. Because the thing with, with pita is you, you throw it on the stone, you literally cook it three to five minutes aside, no more. Okay. If you go too long, you're making crackers. So it involves flipping said dough. Yes. Do you have like a special tool for that? Or you just reach in, what do you do? No, I, I actually just throw it on the stone, watch it. Mm -hmm. Literally, I'll check it five minutes after I throw it on the stone. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I'll just grab it, flip it over with my hand. Okay. So the thing is not to cook it too long. Okay. That's the danger. Because well, if you go too long, you got crackers. I don't see a timer going, and I just know that every once in a while you're opening the oven. Is the timer in your brain, Mark? Right. So you and I have been talking while that's been cooking. Uh -huh. We may have actually made a cracker. Oh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually... <laughs> is that, that's what happens. Yes, it gets crispy. You cook it too long, it actually crisps up and turns into a cracker. That so, would be delicious with hummus and olives. It and... is, but it doesn't work for a pita because if you try to roll it, it just turns into cracker dust. It's cracker, <laughs> right. Oh, cracker dust, yes. So I'm actually, as we talk, I'm going to go in okay, and pull great. this out. Let's do it. It sat for about five minutes on side one. Mm -hmm. I just flipped it. I'll do it for another three minutes max, okay. and then I'll pull it, and okay. it'll be ready. Awesome. And then all of your pita bread has been cooked. What What's next? So, Rachel, the Zadziki master is going to do her thing. Wait, she's the master? Oh, I don't know if that, that's a, a strong Zadziki word. Zadziki master. Zadziki. I'm going to learn how to say this word. Karen, can you say it? Tzatziki? See, she's got it already. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? It's child's play. No, no, no. When you, when you grew up in Boston, you know all the Greek words. <laughs> really? Well, the Greek words for food, anyway. Oh, right, all right. right. Is Boston Abgalemino. Greek? What? Well, because we're both East Coasters, we're both from yeah. Boston. So. Yeah, is Boston a big? We can give you town? the lowdown from downtown Beantown anytime. All right, good to know. This yeah. might come in handy in the future. You we know. often talk about the food in the North End. Like we actually, we didn't even know each other back then, but we talk about the places that we used to hang out. We probably crossed each other's paths and not even realizing it at like two, three in the morning in the North End for. That's really cool. For, Dessert. All right. Best tiramisu ever is in the North End <laughs> in Boston. Wait, wait. The, she's saying the best, Rachel says the best tiramisu is where? At Cafe Vittoria in the North End in Boston. Is this that, true? It, it is totally true. And you can I dream it about it. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yes. You oh. can get oh, tiramisu I dream about Montilio's rum cake. Who knew? I've never had that. Montilio's rum cake. Oh my God. Ermagerd. That's, <laughs> that, that's, she's dreaming about tiramisu. I'm dreaming about. Montilio's rum cake. So also from Boston. Backstory: Montilio's <laughs> is an amazing <laughs> Boston tradition. Yeah. Like their desserts. Yep. And I like she and I grew up on Montilio's. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a thing. It's a place you went to if you're a Bostonian. Good to know. Yeah. My guy is all about tiramisu. I mean, like tiramisu is pretty solid. Huge fan. Pretty solid. Me, yummy not stuff. so much. I've only had a couple that I really like. But then there's cannelloni. There's yeah, I've heard yeah. of those. I've never actually had one. Oh, never had. No. no. Hear me now. Hear me <laughs> now, listening public. I may actually step up and buy you a round trip ticket to Boston to go to Mike's Pastry. <laughs> Hang on. Don't laugh. Okay, I'm not To go laughing. to Mike's Pastry to get an honest-to-God Boston North End. 
cannoli. Well, You've see, gotta and maybe he it. needs to talk to me about that. On I the think air, he don't does. You think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Instead of you said cannoli, but it's cannoli. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I well, was you're Chelsea. You're total Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew what I was picturing in I my did. head. The cannoli. The cannoli. <laughs> Two sips of wine, and the, I'm mixing up my pasta so, with my pastries. Let's just check in with uh, Rachel, the tzatziki master. Mm -hmm. And Rachel, you're over here working away in the corner. So all I'm really doing is dumping in some Faye yogurt or Greek yogurt. Uh huh. Um, Love that. Loaded uh, with protein. Yes. English cucumber. And I chopped it up and drained it overnight with some salt on it. Overnight? Yeah. To get some of the liquid out so it's not as liquidy a sauce. I did not know that trick. Yeah. It's really Smart. nice. Smart. Yeah. Put some salt on it. It just drains it. And then do you put it like on a paper towel or something, something? I put it in a strainer on top of a bowl, mm -hmm. just in the fridge, but you can do it in a paper towel, you can do it in cheesecloth, anything like that or. Okay, super yeah. smart. Yeah. And some... She is the master. Just saying. Few... She's the queen of the universe. So some of us refer to her. <laughs> a few cloves of garlic, um, juice of about a lemon, and some mint and some dill, salt and pepper. Um, I do both, mint and dill. Okay. And are you ready to like, it's in a food yeah. processor. Yes, it's in a food processor. You can do it outside of a food processor. You just have to like mince the garlic and shave the cucumbers. No, too and much stuff. I'm all about, too much stuff. let's save some time. Yeah. And I would rather make it from scratch and do it like the easier way. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. make some noise, my friend. Okay, let me Oh, plug. wait, you have to plug it in first. I have to plug it in first. <laughs> Don't plug it in until you need it. It's pretty thick, so sometimes you got to help do it along. Do you ever like adjust it for, you know, add more, have to add more liquid or? Yeah. And if you, if you have to add more liquid, I usually put just some olive oil in. There it goes. We need like the, uh, the theme music. <laughs> 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 that's great. Looks like it's good. And that's it? That's Can it. Can I stick my finger in there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to no. do it. <laughs> and and the great thing about it is mm -hmm. if you make it ahead of time, if it'll thicken up and just get better. And you just know it's perfect because you're the goddess of. I don't. I'll try it too before I, <laughs> before I serve it. But all right, so we've got the sauce going on. Thank mm -hmm. you for making that. Mm -hmm. um, what's next? Literally, the only thing left to do is I'm going to cook the two. I actually added uh, another aspect to tonight. Oh, really? What is that? Well, Mark. Because we have lamb. Uh -huh. But Karen is a total, because she feels really sensitive about lamb and mm. little lambs. Okay. So I made some beef for her. So we're actually going to have lamb and beef. Fancy. Yes. Thank you, Karen, for the diversity I, I don't know what that says about my, my moral you know, so well, you know, I'm not a judge. I just eat the meat. No judgment. All good you know, children. I have to tell you though, <laughs> since the show came on the air, uh -huh. I have become much more brave at eating some things that do not sound good. Like um, our friend Tom D'Antoni uh, from Orient Music News, he has yeah. a food sensitivity, and that is that he cannot overcome something that sounds bad. Like if it sounds like something he does not want to eat, he he can't even he can't even go near it. So he probably shouldn't have goat eyeball soup. No, he cannot do that. I wouldn't either. But. Maybe I had to, I, I had to smell it for breakfast one day. Really, I'm getting better yeah. at trying, you know, expanding my horizons. Mm -hmm. And I like how she didn't even ask; like she just went right over that. Like everybody has goat eyeball soup of course, for breakfast. For breakfast. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even asked that. I was like, everybody knows about that. All right, tell me more. Karen. <laughs>
So years ago, I um, I love languages, so and that's why I love music. It's just it's another language. So I've studied actually French, Latin, um, Russian, Lithuanian. My grandmother's Lithuanian, and also Farsi, which is uh, Persian, Iranian. And I had friends who were in the Mujahideen way back when the Shah was in overthrown back in the day. And I was invited to go to this picnic, uh, uh, this big gathering of the Mujahideen in Santa Barbara. And it was kind of weird being an American um, with all of the restrictions, the Islamic restrictions that they had. Right. And um, they were cooking breakfast one, one morning and the, uh, I went, there was a group of old guys, very, very happy around this pot. And they, they lifted off the lid to show me what they were cooking and it was like two goat eyeballs floating in the top of the lid. Ah. So I just went to Dunkin' Donuts and got vanilla cream filled and chocolate cream filled and jelly and it took a lot choice. of donuts to purge that breakfast. Not to jump in, but going to Dunkin' Donuts is so <laughs> Chelsea. For, for My you, first job was Dunkin' Donuts. For you Bostonians, <laughs> you know Dunkin' Donuts, you know Chelsea, you know what we're talking about. Yep. I'll let you fill them in. Hashtag oh, yeah. Bostonian. That's what this <laughs> show is going to be about. We talk about that stuff a lot because there's like the Boston baked beans. that the, right? we, There's the Boston baked bean candy. There's nothing yep. like that. I mean, Santarpino's Pizza in East Boston, yeah. Durgan Park. I'm a pizza fan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the dark side. Come to the dark side. I'm such a West Coast girl. So, So yeah. okay. So, if you're a pizza person, all right, I I have to ask the question. West thin Coast crust, Thin crust? Thin. Thin. I'm a thin crust girl. Oh, yeah. So, kind of like a way. Neapolitan, uh, really not, thin crust? Not or? like cracker thin. I like some kind of a crust. Okay. But, um, you know, a, a good thin crust pizza to me has a little bit of body to it still. Not like one of the cracker wafer things things. But to me, if you have a thick crust, to me that overwhelms the flavors of the pizza. And I don't enjoy it. Okay, Except this, for this was a test and we were just testing but it. I thought, oh God, man. No, you pass. Oh, my God. <laughs> because Ben Rice and I had the best pizza ever, ever in Chicago. Oh. Right by the airport, too. Deep dish? Yes. Just a warning, it's going to get noisy, lots of sizzle, because I'm cooking the meat. I'm, I'm moving out the way, Me as too. they say. Oh. Okay, so is this, which is which? Lamb. Well, they look the same. But they are so not the same. So it looks like you've got... Um, the meats with a whole bunch of chopped garlic. Did you put any other seasons in there? Absolutely. It's um, in both cases. It's um, chopped garlic, rosemary, thyme, and oregano, and actually lemon juice because mm -hmm. the lemon juice kind of softens the meat. Yeah, it's a tender. This has been marinating for probably about four hours. Oh. Yeah. So I, I started about like two a.m. two p.m. Sorry, two a.m. Wow, that's so, impressive. That's a lot of prep work <laughs> for the show. So it's been marinating for about four hours. The, the lemon juice softens it mm -hmm. and sort of gives it like gives it that Middle Eastern spin. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and we will see what happens. So you are a very well-known musician. I mean, who haven't you played with? Really, the well, list is so long. Yeah. 
it's hard to see a hole in that. God, I feel so you know, cheap. Your field is so deep. <laughs> so you can tell stories, I'm sure. Who is one of your most favorite people to work with? I don't know about on shore, but it can tell stories about me. <laughs> that's right, because you and Karen do work together a lot and so tour. It's that's actually an interesting question because what what's really important to me is it's all about the the songwriting. Mm -hmm. It there are lots of great players. There's lots of great singers. It's about the writing because mm -hmm. I mean you're a vocalist. You're you're a jazz and, singer. And you I know write. and you write, so you know like. If the song isn't there, it just isn't going to speak to you. It isn't going to work. Yeah. So what I look for is I look for the writing. Mm -hmm. It always starts with the writing. So mm -hmm. Karen, I have my two Karens, Karen Lovely, and we've written on the Fish Out of Water record, which is great, her latest release. Great album cover. Yeah, Thank you very much. I love that photo. I did it myself because she did. that's what you yeah. do when you're broke. <laughs> yes, I so hear you. So on that one, so, I mean so, inspired. So we, we co-wrote a bunch of songs on that record. Um, I have Karen Ann, who's my my other Karen, who I've produced three records with at this point. Um, wow, I mean it's so many people. Um, Stephanie Shelza, Strange and the Familiars, I work with. Uh, Ron Rogers, Ron Rogers and the Wailing Wind. Um, it's it. So many people, but it's always about the songwriting. So for you, as a producer, you're really attracted to the songwriting. Mm -hmm. Is that the same as a performer, as a guitar player when you're on stage or touring with someone? Absolutely, because the thing is, when you have a really good song and you're you're live on stage, it my job becomes so easy mm -hmm. in that moment with that song. It's mm -hmm. like the song, the song tells you what it means. Yes. And, and that's that's sort of whether it's playing, producing, whatever. The song says, "I need this. Mm -hmm. This is what I want." Mm -hmm. And you follow that. You follow what the song is telling you, mm -hmm. and you give it what it needs. Mm -hmm. And it's always, it's never as a player, as a musician. It's never about kind of getting your yayas out. I, I could care less about soloing. I, I really don't care. Mm -hmm. What I care about is. What does the song need in that moment? And if it needs the guitar solo, the rocking guitar solo, right. then that's what it needs. And I completely understand what you're, what you mean, and I agree with you. So. Well, I, I call Mark long chord, short chord. So, <laughs> and, and, and here's why: because guitar players, if you're a side player, uh -huh. you play with a short chord because you're a side guy, and by guy I mean you could be a man or a woman. But that means you're kind of not taking occupying real estate on. The, the front stage, you're not playing to the audience mm -hmm. and all that stuff. You're just you're just playing to the music, you're playing to the sound. And that's a particular talent. Then a long chord guitar player is someone who's gonna go to the front of the stage, center stage, they're gonna play to the crowd, they're gonna really dig deep into a solo, and that's the kind of guitar player that makes the audience go completely crazy. Mark is one of the few people that I know that can actually do both incredibly well. Like, I like working with long chord, short chord. Mark, hi, I'm Marty. Um, you're hired. <laughs> you, can, you can pitch it. You can play guitar and bass. It's all good. So, so the, the, the interesting thing is, as a player, as a side person, yeah. you, you can't think from your instrument. Whether you're a bass player, drummer, guitar player, it doesn't matter. You can't, you can't think from your instrument. Because if you do, you just sort of, forgive the phrase, but you're wanking. 
-hmm. What you need to think of is, as a side person, you need to think as a player, but also as a producer or ranger. Mm -hmm. you, in the moment, on the fly, you have to think, what, is, what do you as a vocalist need? You're singing the song, mm -hmm. the audience is focusing on you as a singer. And, and honestly, in pop and jazz, what we, what we all do, mm -hmm. what you and I and Karen do, it's really, at the end of the day, it's about the vocals. Let's be truthful. The rest of it is sort of support and frosting, but it's really about the vocals, and that's the message you're trying to deliver. So as a player, what we need to do on the fly, and this is sort of how I hear things, is I think of it, I'm always using my producer ear. I'm not, I never think of it from a guitar player like, oh, my solo's coming up. I'm gonna do it like, this is my moment to shine. No, it's not that, it's like, what does the song need? Mm -hmm. What do you as a vocalist need mm -hmm. to get your message across? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the audience is looking at you. They're mm -hmm. not looking at me, right. they're looking at you. And they're vocalists everywhere, thank you for that. Because, um, you know, when I'm on stage, and I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but when I'm on stage, for me, it's not about me. It's all flow, and it's all about the music. It's all one big package thing. Do you, do you understand no, that? No, I hear you. I get what you're saying, but you, you can't take yourself out of the equation because oh, what's no. happening is that band is setting the bed for you yeah. as a vocalist mm -hmm. or for you, Karen. And you're what, telling the story that yeah. The, yeah. the primary function of a vocalist is more than any other instrument, the human voice mm -hmm. reaches deep down into other people. Mm -hmm. Who's the Scottish singer, Mark, that she's one of my favorite, favorite vocalists. Um, but anyway, She's famous for having unintelligible lyrics. You literally cannot tell what the hell she's singing. But it doesn't matter because there's the emotional quality is there. And you mm. get you get what she means oh. in the song. Um, uh, she's on, Elizabeth Fraser? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, siren song. Like, yes. It's yeah, yes, a siren yeah. song and it I mean she's just She's just this extraordinary vocalist, and that's one of the, like Maria Callas, opera singer. That was her gift, was being able to emotionally get that feeling across. Really, what, what you want to be able to deliver as a vocalist is the, is the emotional content of the song, and that's what resonates with people. The Marty's Music Kitchen podcast is brought to you in cooperation with Oregon Music News. So, Karen, I, Ben, Lisa, so we did the, the Steve Pringle Memorial yeah. at mm -hmm. Roseland Ballroom. Right. And I remember when you reached out to me, because one of the things that Steve wanted for his memorial was Guitar Mageddon. Yeah. And so, because Ben and I, yeah. like, Ben and I, like, egg each other on, and it's just like, and to Karen's credit, she's just like, she's, <laughs> she's standing in the middle of this absolute guitar chaos going on. But the funny thing about it is, it's really not guitar because what in that moment we were just crazy, yeah. over the top, loud, like we brought the rock. Yeah. But still, it's about the song. Mm -hmm. Like it's about the singer. You know, mm -hmm. for all that Ben you know, for all all that we're doing, all the loudness, the guitar, theatrics, pyrotechnics, it's still You're retelling about the story. The song. Yeah. yeah. It's about the lyric. Because that's what yeah. people people they like 
solos, but what they really like is they like a really good story that reaches into them and goes bam. That's your golden rule. You know, mm -hmm. with all of the jazz standards, tell the story. What's your story? Right. What are you, you know, step into this person's shoes, try to figure it out because that will come through mm -hmm. and that's what makes it. Yeah, that's what absolutely. makes it. Absolutely. Right there. Yep. So. Absolutely. But in the meantime, um, we're ready. We're all, are, are you really so already? Ready. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. Yay! Yeah. What Rachel and I like to do is like when we, when we do these kinds of things, we like to do dishes which are kind of create your own. Okay. We'll give you all the ingredients. We'll lay them all out. Okay. You get to pick and choose the things that you want to do to make your meal. Whether it's this, we, we do amazing tacos, same thing. We'll lay out all of this for you and you get to pick it. This is exactly what I did when I was growing up. My parents in the 70s would make a taco bar. That was our big thing. And we had everything from cottage cheese, which is a great substitute for sour cream. And we just, you know, went and put our own tacos. So this is like, I'm not, I've yogurt is too. Yes, you get to. Mark. So. You get to make your own euros. So you All get right. to choose. So what do we do? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> It's Mark and Rachel's No Rules Kitchen. Woo! These peters are huge. So this is the lamb, and I'm That's gonna- That's the lamb, the other one's the beef. I'm gonna try it, and then I'm gonna backtrack over here. This is such a beautiful setup. It's got the stuff. I'm a sauce girl, so, you know, some chefs would really not like that, but I love a good sauce. And then red onions, I see. And Tomatoes. Feta. You gotta, you gotta get your fingers oh. dirty and crumble your feta. Ooh, feta. One of my favorite. All it's better with feta. So good. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. I am gonna try this. This is not cardiologist approved. I'm just saying. Really? Because it looks not horrible. I mean, I had <laughs> last night at a podcast interview. I ate about a pound of butter. So overall, this is pretty healthy with Greek yogurt and things like that. So. Mmm. Oh my gosh, this is delicious. You can have two, just saying. <laughs> I'm no pressure, I'm not pressuring you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm eating this all the pita. This is not food cook guilt. So I'm not Karen, Karen's yeah. going pita free. I actually started eating this like without anything because it was so good. Mm. It is delicious. Yum. Mm. It's got that zest mm. of the sauce. Mm -hmm. mm. Plus the meat is tender. Not overcooked, and I'm sure I I didn't mention that you're cooking in cast iron. Always, always. And I think that that so enhances the flavor of everything. So I am starting a journey and enhancing my cast iron pans in my kitchen, trying to add more so that I can I can experiment more, more with cast iron cooking. That's so great. All you need if if you have a good cast iron skillet mm -hmm. and just cast iron and nonstick mm. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just between the two, you got it all covered. Because mm -hmm. cast iron oh is God. such an easy pan to cook in. It's mm -hmm. so forgiving. You can basically cook it. Outside of like doing kind of the scrambled egg kind of thing, oh which God. gets sticky and you want to do it in a nonstick. Mm -hmm. Everything else, cast iron is so... Huh. It's the way to go. Okay, Mark, the, the pitas are to die for. Aren't they? They really, it's like so good. Karen. Oh. How did you, you know, fall into singing? I always wanted to be a singer, and I went to Catholic school for eight years. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the fifth grade, they were auditioning kids for the choir. And 
you know, I had nuns and all that stuff. So I'm in a class of, I don't know, like 30, 40 people. And what they did is they had us sing the song. And the nuns, there were three nuns, they would go up and down the aisle, three nuns and the choir director. And if they liked you, they tapped you on the shoulder. Anyway, they kept going up and down the road and I was like praying, like back when I used to pray, like, please pick me, please pick me. And they had room for five people and they had picked four. And they kept going by me and stopping, going by me and stopping, going by me and stopping. And they finally stopped and very reluctantly, I mean very reluctantly, went tap on my shoulder. And they said, and this is this epitomizes Catholic school for me, everything about the Catholic Church. They said, well, you're not very good, but you're loud, and so you're in the choir. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So now that's how I promote all my shows. I'm not very good, but I am loud. No, well, um, I think your fans begged to differ on that one. Truly. Yeah, but, but, you know, like my whole family, my mom sang, my grandmother sang, and I just grew up with that. And um, singing with that instrument, singing is a way of being, you know, I'm the oldest of nine kids, so we would, we would all be in the car, and singing was a way of keeping everyone under control and making you happy if you were sad or doing, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. And but you, you always you really found your voice when you were in Ashland. Yeah. Like doing mm -hmm. at the Brick House. Well, I had, back in, um, I think it was 80, 87, 1987, I actually, I had been um, drinking, so, I, like all my stories go back to other stories, but anyway, here I am in London, my friend's dad is getting married. My friend's dad was in McCabe and Mrs. Miller and a bunch of other movies. And in fact, with Rene Aubergenois, who just passed away. But anyway, um, they were also musicians, and we used to get together for these dinner parties, and we would always play guitar, and we would sing. And when Josh's dad got married, he said uh, they, he had friends throw him three receptions that day. Mm -hmm. And the champagne was free, and it was pouring, and we're talking like expensive stuff. So being a Chelsea girl, I'm like, I might never have a chance again as long as I live to drink champagne that costs as much money. So I'm gonna drink as much as I can as if that's gonna stockpile for the rest of my life. Like I'm not gonna let one free drop get away from me. So at a certain point after, you know, the reception started at like 11 o'clock in the morning, um, Hugh said, you know what I would really like for a wedding gift would be for, for Karen to sing a song. And I'm like, I was just intoxicated enough to say, okay. And I went up and I sang the song and there was a, a, a guy in there who owned a bunch of clubs in London. And the next morning he called and said, you know, I, I want to hire you to perform at one of my clubs. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, it was true. And we set that up and I, I performed for about six months in London and I had horrible stage fright. I mean, shaking. Mm -hmm. I had to perform with my eyes closed. And when I left London, I never performed again. I just figured that that's it. So I didn't do anything. It wasn't until in Ashland, actually, uh, I think 2007. So what, 97, 20-something years before I finally started singing again. Mm -hmm. And I started doing these blues jams. And I just was having so much fun. And I went from shaking and, you know, being terrified to actually having fun. And... Every time I went out, I had more fun and less fear. And even now, I still have fear. I actually have fear of karaoke. Like, that's the scariest thing for me of all, because I have no control. I'm a control freak. I feel the exact same way about karaoke. <laughs> but, I hate it. 
But I love, like with a band, you know, I know that all the people that I'm working with have my back and I can, I can screw up and they're not going to let me right. fall. And that's it's, exactly, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah. And so I just, I actually, I've realized that, again, I'm not, I'm not technically the best singer that ever was. I'm no Mariah Carey. I can't do, you know, whistle register or anything like that. But what it can do is pour every single bit of emotion that I have in my body and translate that. I'm fearless when it comes to expressing anything. Absolutely fearless. If Which it's, is if why. it's anger, if it's sorrow, if it's humor, I just the audience, it everybody is in my living room, all the people I, I'm on stage with, they're mm -hmm. they're like my best friends and I trust them and I love them and I adore them and I love being on stage with them and getting to sharing how gifted they are and how much they bring to every single performance. And mm -hmm. those those are the people that I work with. And then you have this amazing chemistry on stage, which translates, I always picture it as these sort of filaments that connect everybody on the stage. And then that kind of goes out like a million filaments out into the audience and then they throw it all back and it's just this yeah. beautiful loop of energy and That's shared emotion. That's what I was trying to describe earlier. Bliss. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like riding, it's like surfing and catching, you know, the best wave or, mm -hmm. or flying or, or something like that. That's what it feels like to me. Do you guys have any food stories? Probably Iceland, I think, has to be that. <laughs> oh, She's wow. like, do I have food stories? Well, we have, we, like, we, because we've, we've traveled all through Europe, we've, mm -hmm. we've played all kinds of places, and one of the advantages that you get as an American artist playing in Europe is that you're treated like royalty. Really? Yeah. They, they take you to the best dinners, and it's the best food, and, you know, I've had minders, people that, you know, their only job was to just make sure... The band, we had everything a that minder? we needed. Yeah. I need a minder. Literally, like, How do I if get you need a, a toothbrush at three in the morning, I'm the person you call to get the toothbrush. You know, and then you wow. come back to the States and it's like, I'll pay you 50 bucks for four and a half hours. <laughs> Actually, I gotta say, the best McDonald's coffee I've ever had <laughs> was when we rolled into, we, we had that festival in, Port, uh, in Poland. Mm. And we, we got, I think it was the airport in Warsaw. We got off in Warsaw, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And we still had three hours to drive. Mm -hmm. But our, our, our driver picked us up and said, you, you need to get some coffee. So we rolled into this McDonald's in the airport yeah. in Warsaw. And the coffee was amazing, mm -hmm. like better than Starbucks. And I'm not a Starbucks mm -hmm. fan, but this coffee was like, where are we? <laughs> like, what, what is going on here? What just happened? Mm -hmm. But um, so we have all these really great food stories and dinner stories because the cool thing about Europe that we tend to not do here in the States is that when you have dinner in Europe, it's, it's a real thing. It's, there's no such thing as looking at your phone or looking mm -hmm. at the TV or any of that stuff. It's real conversation, goes on for hours and hours and you really get to feel like you, you know people and I mean I... I even experienced that in London, where right. you have these like hour-long, you know, hours-long dinner parties. Where this sounds like a place I want to go, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, that's one of the reasons that that's been my experience with food. You mm -hmm. know, when I was growing up, my family always had room at the table for uh -huh. other people. Right. Always, whether right. it was you know my brother's friends or mm -hmm. neighbors, or didn't matter if it was a holiday table or just regular old dinner. 
and we always had those conversations and um, yeah. you know just that connection over food and I think that's one of the reasons that I made this podcast is because mm-hmm. I feel that connection with music and I also feel that connection mm-hmm. with food and I think that those are basic human they're primal ways it's primal, that, yeah, it's primal because ways that we relate to each talking other. is connection you know food is connection it's we have all of these things music all we're like with combining all of that we're we're getting to experience like so many of Maslow's triangle all at the same time we've got the you know our primary needs are met for food and and water and all that stuff and then we have conversation and music and I think when you combine all that stuff together it's this beautiful alchemy so you two might sing maybe oh, do you wanna? well Mark said the reason he invited you is because he couldn't sing which I, I think he probably can. Mm-hmm. But well, I needed I needed some beauty in this. <laughs> that's so funny. Aww, <laughs> that's really sweet. Do you want to? Um, I have a guitar here. You want to do uh, punk rock? Yeah, let's do punk rock. Okay, let me, uh, let me grab a guitar. All right. What are you guys gonna sing? We're gonna sing a, a song that we worked on together called uh, "Punk Rock Johnny Cash." That's mm-hmm. about uh, a person that I he was my friend's nephew. I never met him in real life, but wish I could have. And this is a song Mark and I wrote together. That um, it's one of my favorite songs, actually. Yeah. And it, to me, it speaks more to um, not only telling uh, Jesse's story, but also the resiliency of music and the power that it has. Long after the songwriter, long after the singer is gone, the the song lives on. And that's one of the really great things about music. Is that Can't wait to hear on. it. Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. First time I saw you Standing there Punk rock Johnny Cash With orange hair Subway for nickels and dimes. Sunday morning coming down, you were high. Trading jokes with anyone to catch your eye. Playing for beer and cigarettes We mostly gave away Making just enough to Keep on playing Oh. 
Punk rock Johnny Took his life today The dark in your heart was There in every verse Broken on the altar Of your own words If I told you how I the music and the conversation and the food and I love it. See, it's alchemy. It is alchemy. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> I do have to give props to Mark though because I love writing with him. He yeah, inspires yeah, me as a songwriter because the way that we work is I'm, I'm primarily a lyricist mm -hmm. and Mark has such beautiful melodies and he's got the chorus and the bridge and the verse and all of the elements that, the hook, all of those things that make a song. And when you find someone that you can work with who gets that and you're, you know, that muy simpatico, where, <laughs> where you just, like, like I know, right, like, he, right. he, I know he's going to have the music bed to, you know, these, these, some of the dark emotional lyrics that I'll write. And it's this really great combination that that works so well together yeah well, really the, really brilliant the magic definitely Soulful. it shows you can hear it where can people find out more about the songs you've written where can they see you perform live well i mean fish out of water is the mm -hmm. is the the current record we're we're uh, we're getting sort of getting to the point where we're going to start working on the next record mm -hmm. she's sort of waiting on me to clear my schedule <laughs> Um, I've been patiently waiting some it's, time it's, now. It's uh, funny because we, you know, as players, we tend to do more work outside of the city. Yeah. Like I think we're going to be, I think we're in France. Yeah, in April. And then we're look at, working at a UK date. We, we tend to do a lot of stuff outside of the city. It's just funny. Yeah, it's just I, sort I of the way get it on, works. I am on the wrong track. I, <laughs> I need to get on your track. <laughs> I mean, I actually, outside of the big festival shows, like we just did this last mm -hmm. Saturday, we did the Stumped House Soul Spectacular at the Wonder Ballroom. Uh -huh. But and literally. February. Yeah, we're going to do. So, um, February 1st, a huge show, which I've taken on the crazy ass task of producing. 
which is uh, we're going to do the first four sides of George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. In We're doing it full Phil Spector style, like big rock orchestra. I'm putting 30 plus players on stage. Yeah. She has no wow. idea what I'm, she doesn't know what she's, <laughs> I haven't told her what she's doing yet. You're just going to show up? Well, no, but I'm going to start. No, no, no. <laughs> I haven't, I, I've got some tricks up my sleeve that I haven't told her yet that I'm going to spring on her. She, just, she has no idea what's coming at her. But it's, um, it's going to be a big show. It's, it's February 1st at Revolution Hall. Mm-hmm. Because I, I couldn't fit it in a smaller venue. I yeah. had to be at a big venue. Mm-hmm. It's uh, if you've if you've been to the next waltz, I'm gonna. It's like the next waltz times two. It's that big. It's just gonna be epic. We've got two drummers, string section, horn section, three keyboard players, four guitar players. It's just gonna be. <laughs> It is going to be the big rock orchestra. Okay, I need yeah. to be there. How can I get tickets? Um, you can actually go to, it's on the Eventbrite site. Okay. But if you go to um, two places, if you go to um, the Rev Hall site, mm-hmm. go to Rev Hall, find find out and, and go to Eventbrite. I will say, make sure you buy your tickets through Eventbrite. Okay. Because I've run into, we ran into this with Stumptown Soul. There's a lot of scam sites out there mm-hmm. lately mm-hmm. that have been jacking up ticket prices, Eventbrite. That's where you want to go. The other thing is this is a fundraiser for the Jeremy Wilson Foundation. Jeremy mm-hmm. Wilson does, that whole mission is raising funds for musicians' emergency health care. So if a musician is in a health care crisis mm-hmm. that they either don't have insurance at all or their insurance doesn't cover enough, the JWF will, will step up and help. Uh, they've helped like P. Krebs through his, mm-hmm. his throat cancer Curtis Salgado. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an amazing organization. The next waltz is a JWF uh, show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stumptown Soul, yep. JWF. So mm-hmm. we're again with this, the George Harrison All Things Was Fast show. We're partnering with Jeremy Wilson Foundation. So basically, uh, a portion, uh, once we cover our expenses, right. basically, whatever else is comes in. Above and beyond expenses, it's all going to JWF. So it's it's not only is it going to be a really epic show, that's kind of never been done since that 2002 show. It's also a super good cause. Like it's mm-hmm. you can come to this show and you'll have a great time and feel good that your money is going to a really super good cause. You yep. can't beat it. I'm so excited. It's a yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on Marty's Music Kitchen. I have had so much fun. And I I feel like I've been educated and inspired. I'm inspired to go home and write more music right now. Because I just feel this creative energy uh, from the two of you. And I can't wait to get home and get to my piano. Well, truthfully, I'm expecting a cell phone video of your (laughs) pita baking products. (laughs) I want that in my inbox tomorrow. Tomorrow, Marty. Pitas, pitas. It's baking. Ah, I'm going to shut down. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to make the hero's recipe and we're going to post that online yeah, yeah. for our listeners. And, you know, Woo-hoo. you're also going to be all over Oregon Music News when we release the podcast very soon at the beginning of 2020. And you can actually cool. tell your listeners that. Um, or you could tell our listeners. I will tell you all <laughs> listeners that if you are struggling with any aspect of this recipe, you can find me on Facebook, you can message me, you can whatever, and I will 
I will help you through the darkness. I will help you through the dark night of the soul, which is making Peter Bread. Okay. Marty's journey through the dark night of the soul to make Peter Bread. I love you so much, and I am I am so glad that I, well, I hope that I can count you among yeah. my friends. So, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Thank hey, you yeah. very We've much. We've broken for bread action. together. Yes, we have. And I didn't even have to do penance. More than one piece. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you. Nice. Thank you for, for inviting us both to be on your show. I'm your host, jazz singer Marty Mendenhall. Find out how you can become a patron of this podcast and get a free digital or hardbound season one cookbook as part of the perks at patreon.com forward slash Marty Mendenhall. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time on Marty's. Music Kitchen.